I bet a lot of you have had this kind of uh, frightening experience. Someone you love, someone you care about has been perhaps badly injured and, and you, you don't know what to do to help them. So maybe it's a heart attack or a stroke and, and you're afraid they're going to die and you just kind of panic. You call 911 and then you just feel so helpless. There's nothing you can do. And then the paramedics arrive and they are so competent and so confident they just take over they've had the training they have the equipment they know exactly what needs to be done and you just sort of step back and get out of the way and take this deep sigh of relief that's the kind of feeling that I want you to have about God or maybe it's this kind of situation and I've been in this situation with with several of you Someone you love and care about dies, and maybe you even knew it was going to happen, but you're never quite prepared for that moment, and it comes, and the person dies, and there's that moment of, of grief and shock and loss, and then right after that comes this sort of sense of, of bewilderment and panic almost. I, I don't, what, do we, what do we do now? I've never been through this before. What happens? And so often I've been able to say to you, uh, you don't need to worry. The, the funeral director will be here in just a few minutes, and he or she will walk you through the, the process. They'll tell you everything that's going to happen from that point on. And sure enough, a few minutes later, the funeral home director shows up, and they not only bring compassion and empathy, they just bring the sense that they're totally in control. They know what happens. They know what needs to be done. They've been through it hundreds of times, and they explain it to you. And you just take this deep breath of relief. That's the kind of feeling that I want you to have about God. We're actually in the middle of a series, we just saw the bumper video for that, about rest, Sabbath rest. And I have some really strong feelings about this because I've become convinced that just rest for our bodies, leisure for our bodies, isn't what we really need. What we need is rest for our souls and our spirits. Do you remember that beautiful invitation Jesus gave? This is in Matthew chapter 11. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. A yoke you know, for the oxen, that's talking about work. It's not leisure. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart. And then this next line, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's what we need. We need rest for our souls. Sally and I experienced that years ago, and it literally changed our lives. We were at the I think we would both say the lowest point in our lives ever, a crisis point, where things were happening which were going to change our lives forever, and we were afraid and anxious, and God gave us this message of peace and quiet. It came in the story of Moses leading the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, and they've been freed by Pharaoh, because of the mighty hand of God, they come now out of Egypt and they come to the, to the Red Sea and they look behind them and Pharaoh has changed his mind. He's coming with his entire army. This is the most powerful nation in the world. 600 chariots plus the, the, the men on foot. They're coming at them. The sea in front of them, the army of Pharaoh behind them and the people panic. They panic. They don't know what to do. 
And they cry out to God and they cry out to Moses. And then this is what Moses says. This is Exodus chapter 14. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you will see today, you will never see again. Listen to this. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Sally wrote out that verse on three by five note cards and she put it on the bathroom mirror and on the table and in the car and every day we saw it again and again and again. Listen, you don't have to fight. The Lord will fight for you. Just be still and see what the Lord will do. And for us, it was that kind of deep breath of relief. In fact, that's a theme through scripture. In uh, Psalm 37, verse 7 says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Psalm 46, 10, Be still and know that I am God. So, so how do we get that, that sense of relief that comes from, from really believing in the core of your being that God is God and he's in control and he's going to fight the battle for me and I just need to be still and have rest and peace in my soul. I think a key to that is found in Psalm 62 in the Old Testament. This is a psalm written by David. And I want to read a few verses from it. It's, it's an amazing psalm. It starts out this way. Now listen to how David describes in graphic terms who God is, what God is like. Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. Going on to verse 5. Yes, my soul finds rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. And then this, this final verse. One thing I've, God has spoken, two things I've heard. That's kind of a Hebrew thing. And this is what he says. You, O God, are strong. You, O Lord, are loving. He says, God is my, my fortress, my rock, my refuge, my salvation. And it's because of these two things. Because I know that you, O God, are strong. And that you, O Lord, are loving. I think if we can, can grasp that truth, really believe it, that God is loving and God is strong, it allows us, even in the deep times of life, to say it's okay. God is here, and he is strong, and he is loving. So what I want to do this morning in these next few minutes is to tell you a couple stories from the Old Testament to kind of show you how God is strong, and how God is loving. So to do that, I've been reading through the book of Exodus, and there are a couple stories in there that I ran across that just illustrate this so well. God is strong. So God has brought the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. He parted the Red Sea, you remember? And, and the army of Pharaoh were drowned in the sea. Now they come to an area called Rephidim. And uh, there are people there called the Amalekites. And they're a warlike people. And here come these former slaves who've never held a sword or a spear in their lives. They spent their whole lives making bricks. And now they've got to fight this army of the Amalekites. And so God speaks to Moses. And, and God says to Moses, take the rod of God. 
The rod of God, don't you like that phrase? The rod of God, the rod that you held out over the Red Sea when it parted. Take the rod of God, go up on this cliff overlooking the battlefield, he says. And when you hold up your hands to me in blessing, in prayer and supplication, you know, I will give you the victory. So Joshua takes this army of former slaves out to do battle, and Moses and a couple guys go up on top of this hill overlooking the battle, and Moses holds out his arm. And I can remember hearing this story as a kid. It almost seemed like a cartoon, you know. Moses holds up his hand, winning the battle, losing the battle, winning the battle, losing the battle. And this goes on all day, and Moses is getting tired. So he's got a rock there, so he sits down on the rock. Do you remember how old? Anybody know how old Moses was at this time? He was more than 80 years old, 40 years in Egypt growing up, 40 years in the wilderness taking care of his his father-in-law Jethro's sheep. Now he's 80 years old, at least 80 years old. I mean, he'd be calling me young fella, right? This 80-year-old guy is holding up his arms. It gets it gets really tired so he's got a couple friends there guys come on up these these guys are um Aaron who's the 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 brother of Moses yeah and would you guys hold my arms because this you need to come over on this side because this is really getting tiring I don't know if you've ever done this but it gets old all day and Moses is doing this all day and as long as he holds his arms up they're winning now why is God doing this strange thing Think about what it would be like to be one of those former slaves fighting in this army that you've never done before. And you think, I'm going to die out here. We don't have a chance. And you look up and you see Moses there. And you see the rod of God that he used to to touch the Nile River to turn it to blood and depart the Red Sea. And you know that God is going to give you the battle. And every time you look up and you see Moses with his arms outstretched, you realize it's not because we're great fighters, because we're not. It's because God is powerful, and he's going to give us the victory. And finally, the end of the day, the sun goes down. Are you getting tired too? <laughs> yeah, it's work. Finally, the sun goes down, and they've been victorious, and God has given them the victory. Thanks, you guys. You can go ahead and sit down. That was... That was Aaron and her, H-U-R, not H-E-R. Yeah. They recognized that God gives the victory. And there's a really interesting thing at the end of that. God says to Moses, he says, write this stuff in a scroll and make sure that Joshua hears it. Because Joshua's going to be their general, the leader of their army. And Joshua's got to know that the battle belongs to the Lord. So now hundreds of years later, a little shepherd boy, a kid, goes out against a nine-foot giant. And the giant Goliath sees this kid coming at him, and he says, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks, you know? And, and David, the writer of that psalm that we just read, Psalm 62, says, no, you come to me with sword and spear, but I come to you. In the name of the Lord God of Israel, whose armies you have defied today. And this day the Lord will give you into my hands, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give it into my hands, so that all may know that there is a God in Israel. The Bible shows us again and again and again that God is strong. He is God Almighty. 
And we use that term so freely to talk about God, and it's great. Almighty, think about what that means. God has all power, and God is able to use that power. And we see it not just in the stories in the Bible. We see it in God working today. A lot of us have been praying for months um, for Addie, this little girl with cancer. Let's take a look. And this video just came up. This is Addie Brendan. You remember? We prayed for her for months because her life was held by a thread with cancer. She was dying. And we prayed, and here she is today, free from cancer, singing a praise song to God. And why is that? Because our God is a powerful, mighty God, and the battle is His, and He will give it to whom He will. And we don't win our battles with sword and spear. We win our battles with still trusting hearts, trusting in God. So I just feel like we need to take a break right now and just praise and thank God that he is this God of power. Let me read you those verses again. Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. He's my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. Yes, my soul finds rest in God. One thing God has spoken, two things I've heard. You, oh God, are strong. You, oh God, are loving. Listen to this song that just takes those words from Psalm 62. Let them apply to your heart. Maybe just while you're sitting there, you just need to go. Yeah, God is strong. And the battle and the victory is his. You know 
of the enemy you are the strong rock upon which I stand you oh God are strong you oh God are almighty psalm says lift up your heads O gates and be lifted up O ancient doors that the king of glory may come in who is the king of glory the Lord strong and mighty the Lord he is the king of glory God, we want to have that sense of peace in our heart that comes from knowing that you, oh Lord, are strong. We praise you as God Almighty. Amen. Well, I think it's not enough just to believe that God is strong. Psalm 62 said, you know, you got to have both these things. That you, oh God, are strong. That you, oh Lord, are loving. So can we believe that God is also loving, that this strong God is also a loving God? I want to go back to this same chapter, Exodus chapter 17, that we looked at just a moment ago, because there's another story in there that I think illustrates the love of God, not just his power, his strength, but his love as well. So the Israelites in this area, Rephidim, that we talked about, they come out of Egypt. This is a dry, arid wilderness, and they have no water. I mean, how much water did they bring with them when they came out of Egypt? I don't know, but the water is gone, and the people are dying of thirst, and they're frustrated, and they're angry, and they cry out to Moses, and they, they say this sort of sarcastic thing, oh, now we know why you brought us out here, because the cemeteries were all full in Egypt, so you brought us out here to die, right? We need water, we're going to die without it, and Moses cries out to God, you know, do you, do you care about these people? Do you love these people? Look at them. They're dying of thirst. Remember what God says in the Moses? He says, take, take the rod of God, take the rod of God, and strike this rock, and you'll get water. And Moses takes the rod of God, and he hits the rock, and out comes water. Now, I can remember as a kid seeing pictures of that, paintings, not photographs, but pictures. You know, and the rock is, you know, like yay big. It's like kind of a big boulder. And then out of it comes this, you know, little bit of water coming out. 
We're talking about tens of thousands, tens of thousands of Israelites needing water. I think they needed a lot of water. And there is a way that this might have happened that just really excites me. Let, me. let me show you a picture. Some of you have seen this before. When Sally and I were in Israel, we went to this place. This is in the wilderness of Zin. This is the place where the Israelites would have been. This is a big kind of rock cliff. It's probably four stories high. It's in one of those wadis. So two times a year, the rains come. And when they come, these riverbeds just flood with water. And the pressure of this flood of water pushes the water into the rocks. And there's a close-up of this then, so you can kind of see the streaks coming down. That's water dripping down, and then the mineral content in the water kind of closes up the hole, and there is all this water, you know, stored in these rocks. And sometimes the, 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 the stone, the rock that holds it in is very, very thin. And I see Moses go into this rock, God's saying, take the rod of God and strike the rock, and Moses strikes it, or maybe he goes like this, you know, and he punches a hole in it, and out of it comes tens of thousands of gallons of water to nourish his people who are dying of thirst. Do you believe that God loves you? Look at the water he's pouring out abundantly upon you. Do you remember last, last year at the gathering, we began this series talking about the extreme love of God, and that was the image that we used. And I told you about going to a water park in Wisconsin with this huge bucket that would pour 10,000 gallons of water down on us, you know? And that was the picture we used to, to illustrate the overwhelming love of God. Imagine the Israelites... I don't know if God loves us or not. He brought us out of Egypt, sure, but we're just going to die out here now. And then suddenly God brings out of the rock tens of thousands of gallons of water to care for the people, to provide for their needs. God is a loving God. God is a loving God. And when you get that combination of that God who is so strong, he can do anything and a God who is so loving, he will stop at nothing to bless his people. That's what allows us, I think, to go. Whew. I don't know if you've seen the movie, a secular movie called Risen that was out in the last year or so. It's a story of a, a Roman soldier who's involved in the crucifixion of Jesus, who's kind of investigating it. And there's one scene in this movie where Jesus comes upon this this beggar, and he has, he has leprosy, and it shows him, and he is so deformed uh, that he's hideous to look at, and he tries to hide himself, and he's sitting on the ground, and Jesus goes over to him, and he sits down on the ground next to him, and he embraces him. He embraces him. And the next scene it shows, it shows this deformed, wretched, leprous beggar walking away. And he turns around and he looks at Jesus. And he's whole. He's well. You, oh God, are strong. You, oh God, are loving. So if we're going to have that kind of sense of 
of rest, of peace in our souls to which Jesus invites us. I believe that one of the ways we do that is by reminding ourselves as often as we need to that the God of the Bible is a God who is strong and a God who is loving. Now, how are you going to do that? And I would suggest the Bible says that the stories that are recorded here of God's actions are recorded not just for the sake of the people then, but they're for our sake as well. So that now we, thousands of years later, could look back and see an accurate picture of God's work in the world. These are not stories like Aesop's fables that have a good moral at the end. This is accurate history. I've been to the Valley of Elah where David fought Goliath. I've picked up stones from that brook. I've been to the wilderness of Zin. I've seen the place where God gets manna and water out of a rock. These are real stories. And I believe that at those times when you're needing God to be something for you, that the place we need to go is to the Word of God. Now, I want to suggest a way to do that in this couple minutes we got left. I hate to refer people to going online, partly because I'm so ignorant of all that stuff and because it is so dangerous. But there is a website that I really trust that I would recommend to you. It's called Bible Gateway, and it can do three things for you. So you want to you wanna know that God is good. You can go to, to Bible Gateway, and you say, I think Psalm 100 talks about God being good. And so you just type in Psalm 100, and then all the whole psalm will be there, Psalm 100. And you can read where it says, you know, the Lord is good. You know, his faithfulness endures forever. Or maybe you don't know where in the Bible it talks about God being good. You can just type in a word or a phrase. So you could type in goodness and then it'll show you every place in the Bible where that word is used. That can be really helpful, except that word is probably used 27,000 times in the Bible, you know. So maybe you need to narrow it down. And it may be that some of the stories that talk about the goodness of God don't use that word. Like the stories we looked at today about bringing water out of the rock or defeating the Amalekites, you know. Well, there is also on Bible Gateway what's called a topical Bible so that you can type in a topic like the goodness of God. And it will show you the places that may not use that word, but illustrate the goodness of God. I believe what God wants us to do, how he wants us to use this book, is to be able to find those things in it that are going to build up our faith. So it may be that the only kind of Bible study you've ever done is like reading through a book of the Bible, like one of the Gospels or Galatians or Ephesians. That's a great way to study the Bible. But another great way to study the Bible is a topical study, and you can do that. You can go to a site like Bible Gateway, and you can say, I'm going to study what the Bible says about the goodness of God. And it will give you those passages, and you can read them. And when you're in that low point in your life, you know, when you're scared and you're nervous or you're afraid and the future seems uncertain, it's just like when the paramedic arrives, you know, or the funeral director arrives, and you can kind of get that sense everything's going to be okay, you know. You can see that God, the true, one true God, the God of history, is a good God. And as you read those stories, as you study the goodness of God, I believe it will just 
sink that truth deep into your core, into your being, and you'll be able to take that deep sigh of relief. I believe. I believe that God is strong. I believe that God is loving. I believe that God is good. Let's pray together. Lord God, I, I want to testify publicly, you know, at those times when, when I felt like I was at the bottom, you know, that you proved yourself to be uh, strong and loving. I believe your, your instruction that you give to us that we just need to, to stand back and to be still and see what God can do. I believe the invitation you gave to us, Jesus, you know. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm meek and lowly in spirit, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Show yourself again to be strong and loving. Bear your mighty arm. Bless your people. Pour out the abundance, the tens of thousands of gallons of blessing upon your people. We wait in stillness and humility before you, our God.